It's going to see you guys this morning. I thought I would wear uh, this shirt today just to remind, this is where we're going. You know what I mean? So anyway, so good to see you guys today. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Journey, and I get my privilege to be the pastor here at Discover Church. So glad for our online family, our DC family that's joining us online. So glad that you guys are here today as well. Man, can I just tell you, I just want to start today with, uh, with this. I, I, I don't tell you enough, church, how much I love you. And man, I, I, well, thank you. I wasn't pandering. That's not why I was doing that. Um, but man, I, I just, I love you so much. And I know that we've been through a lot together. Um, if you're new with us, uh, if you just kind of joining us or checking us out, I'm glad that you're here. Um, can I just let you know, you have found, um, if, you've, if you're looking for the perfect church, uh, I'm sorry to disappoint. It's not, this isn't it. If you find it, let us know, because we'll go there with you. But man, you're just here with a bunch of real people with real problems that found hope, real hope in Jesus. Amen. So I just want to pray for us today if we can. Um, I know that we're in a, in a weird season and there's a little bit of hope. We feel like we see the light at the end of the tunnel. We don't know if it's a train coming for us uh, or if it's actual a light at the end of the tunnel. I just want to pray for us today. And uh, I just want to invite you maybe if, if, you're in a, if you're in a place, if you're in a season right now where, where, where things are exceptionally heavy, maybe just right where you are, just on your lap, just put your hands up. Just kind of a symbol, just no one else has to know. It's just kind of between you and God, just saying, God, I, I, I need some help right now. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. And I love these people. I love this church. What a privilege. What an honor to be able to be a part of their lives, to be their pastor and um, I'm, I'm thankful, God, for, for what it means. I'm thankful for the example that you set, Jesus, of what it means to love and to care for people. And um, if it hasn't happened yet, then it's inevitable that it will happen, that I'm going to upset somebody, I'm going to disappoint somebody. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful uh, for you, Jesus, that you never disappoint. So God, I pray that nobody here would look at me, but that they would look at you. And God, as we look to you, as that's our focus and our theme for this year, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, God, I just pray for every person in the room, every person that's joining us online. God, that you would just meet them right where they are today. I don't know where they are. I don't know their story. I don't know the burden that they're carrying. I don't know what the joy is that they might be celebrating, but you do. And so God, I just lift them up to you and I just pray and ask God that the promise of your word would be true, that you said where two or more gathered in my name, there I am also in the midst of them. And so Jesus, we know that your presence is here with us and that you have something for us. And I pray that you would change our lives today. I know we're excited about a football game and I, and I pray that the bills are beaten to oblivion in the name of Jesus and that perhaps they would be able to walk off the field, but that their emotions and ego would never recover from the butt whooping that they're going to receive today. God, I pray that we would leave here with more hope and more enthusiasm, more excitement about the risen King and the King that's someday going to come back that's going to win, and everyone that's on his side gets to win with him. And Lord, we just love you. We need you today, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. I grew up as a kid in uh, northeast Arkansas. One of my favorite times of the year uh, was when the county fair came rolling into town. How many of y'all know about a county fair? Some of y'all. Some of y'all. I'm not talking about, like, you know, what happens at the Missouri State Fair. I'm talking about small-town county fair Action! I, did, I grew up forever away from the shining bright lights of the city. And so when the carnival came rolling into town with all the rides and all the flashing blinking lights and all the things, I mean, for a little kid, it was like, I, this is what heaven is going to be like. 
For some reason, my mom and dad don't seem to be very excited about it, but this is what heaven's going to be like. They're going to have to get used to it. We had this ride called the Gravitron. It basically just spun really fast. You turn upside down and it just stuck against the walls like, this is awesome. And with the county fair also came a local rodeo. How many of y'all know about that local rodeo life? Yeah, man, I loved, I loved as a kid going to the rodeo. I didn't understand much of it. I just knew that's a real man riding those horses and those bulls. And I just know I'm not a real man. I'm okay with it. I probably will never be a real man and I'm all right. I'm good. Uh, one of my favorite things uh, during the rodeos, they did a couple of things uh, with, with kids. The, the first thing that they would do was kind of an all call. At some point in the rodeo, they would go, all right, all the little kids, get into the arena. And so we'd climb over the fence and we'd jump in and it was awesome. And we felt like we were just amazing. And, 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 and we got to be in the middle of the dirt and, the, and the, the manure and all the stuff, whatever's in the dirt there. And we just like, oh, this is so much fun. And what they would do is they would release like 30 little pigs into the arena and, and on the tails of about five of them, there'd be a little ribbon. They'd say, if you can catch the ribbon, uh, then you can redeem it for a cash prize. And so they would release these little pigs and everybody, this is before cell phones. If it was, it would be like nonstop Insta stories. That's just all that you would see. And kids just running around, little pigs running around and kids are totally just face planting and pushing each other. I mean, it is anarchy and Armageddon and pandemonium all in the name of fun. And it's okay. Just rub the poop off. You'll be all right, kid. Did you get the ribbon? No. All right. Well, maybe next time. I always love being able to do that. I never got a ribbon. Never really even touched a pig. It may, might explain a little bit of the reason why I wasn't any good at basketball. Uh, even though I loved, it, I wasn't very fast. And that's okay. The thing I always wanted to do, though, but I never got to do, and I don't know how you qualified to be on the list to be able to do this, was a thing called mutton busting. How many of you know what mutton busting is? Some of you, all right. The rest of y'all city slickers, I'm going to learn y'all a thing or two. All right, I'm going to learn y'all a thing or two. Mutton busting is basically where they take full-grown lambs and they run them into the chute where they, uh, where, where they release the, the horses and the bulls when the cowboy's on them. All right, it's the same idea, except instead of horses and bulls, they're full-grown sheep. And the goal is, is that you have to ride it for eight seconds. All right, and I, I brought some pictures to show you some technique in case you're ever in a situation where you are training your child to be a mutton-busting world champion. And so I'll show you the first picture. This would be a uh, proper technique here. Uh, something like that, right? No, you got the hand up, right? There are other techniques. You could try this technique next, right? I mean, look at the just sheer determination. I love it. The next picture is my favorite technique. You're just holding on for dear life. You know what I mean? You're just trying to make it happen. And the goal is to not do this. Next. Yeah, you, you don't want to do that. Um, but if you do do that, you definitely want to make sure that you don't do this. Next, next picture. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I saw a couple of pictures of kids that were like totally eating it. And I thought it was hilarious and funny because they kids are probably fine, you know. Like my mentor told me when, when Micah was born, babies are hard to kill. I was so encouraged and Jessica was so depleted. I mean, she was like, really? That's the low bar? We're just trying not to kill him? I don't know if I'm gonna let you hold my baby. She doesn't talk like that, but sometimes I like to think she does. Anyway... Uh, but I saw some pictures of some kids like totally just eating it. And I almost brought it. I said, you know what? 
that's in the environment. Somebody's going to cancel me for bringing a picture like that of a kid bent over backwards, you know, on the ground. Um, and then the next picture is a kid, you know, standing up smiling. They'll be all right. But I decided not to do that. Just tell you about it anyway. Somebody will be mad. It'll be all right. Man, I so badly want to do this as a kid, but I never got a chance. I, I, you know, I wasn't really interested in riding bulls or, 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 or horses or anything like that. I, I don't, I've got stories of my time riding horses and none of them are good for me. But I never got a chance. But innocent sheep, come on, man. I mean, count me in. I mean, I, I mean I'd be half tempted if they gave me a chance. I'd do it now and just drag my feet across the ground as it went on, you know. I don't know if you know this or not, but one of the most common metaphors in the Bible that the Bible uses to describe humans is sheep. Did you know that? It is. Um, and, and I decided this week to do a little bit of research on sheep. Now, I grew up in the country, but just because you grew up in the country doesn't mean you know anything about farming. All right? I, I didn't know squat about farming, and so I decided this week I'm going to do a little bit of research about sheep. What can I find out about sheep, God? If you, if you keep referring to me as a sheep and we, us as a sheep and you as a sheep, then God, what do we need to know about sheep? I found some things out about sheep. Did you know that sheep are dumb animals? Came across a story. This, this really happened, y'all. It's on the internet. In 2005, a Turkish newspaper reported that 1,500 sheep walked right off the edge of a 50-foot cliff. The two shepherds were there and they were watching what was happening and they couldn't believe what they were watching and they couldn't intervene fast enough. But apparently they were just eating, 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 and then, well, they weren't eating anymore. And what happened is, according to the story, all 1,500 of them fell off the cliff, 50 feet. And by their best recollection, the first 400 died. But it was a worthy sacrifice because that served as a massive fluffy pillow, not joking, for the next 1,100 to fall off and land on and walk off and keep eating. Sheep are dumb animals. Did you know that sheep are totally defenseless? I mean, yes, they can kick, you know, but that's about it. In fact, scientists say that sheep are one of the few animals that if you were, were to release them in the wild with, with basically on their own, Basically, that they're a walking Snickers bar. And they're pretty much defenseless. Did you know that sheep are like turtles? That if they have a coat of wool on, if they, get, if they somehow get rolled over on their back, they can't roll back over on their own. They actually have a term for this. They call it a cast-down sheep. But worse than turtles, turtles can usually survive for a while, but sheep can't. Matter of fact, they say if a sheep is upside down for more than about 24 hours, the gases in its stomach will kill it. And I was reading that going, God, I got issues with you calling me a sheep. I don't like that. It doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy. I'm kind of offended that you would view me so low. Can I just say that maybe somebody's here today and, and you, maybe you feel low? Maybe you're in a place where you feel puny or offended or disenfranchised with God. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you've heard all the stories about how big and great and powerful and awesome God is, but, but you have not experienced that in your life, at least not the way that you would like to. 
Maybe you're here today and, and you feel like, well, if I'm so low, then why would God care? I mean, at the end of the day, nobody really loves sheep. Right, like you might take your kids to a little animal farm so that they can go see the sheep and pet the sheep and look at the sheep, but ain't nobody signing up and go, you know what, let's take one of them home with us. I'm gonna take a look at that cute little sheep. It smells so awful and terrible. And it, did you know that sheep eat and swallow and then spit it back up and chew it again and swallow it again? Oh, it's so cute, ain't it? Nobody wants to have sheep as a pet. So maybe for you, maybe your vantage point or your view of God or maybe the way that you feel about God right now in this season, in the same way that nobody really wants a sheep as a pet, that, 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 that the things that have been happening in your life, that you're, you're looking at God and you're wondering, yeah, you don't want to have anything to do with me. God feels so distant. He feels so far away. It feels like he doesn't care. We're in this series called The Comeback, and what, what, we're, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help you see, I'm trying to get you to a point of belief that you can anticipate hope again, that you can believe that the best is yet to come. And we're at the halfway point of the series. In the first half of the series, I've been trying to explain to you why we should believe this. And if you've missed it, I want to encourage you to go back. Um, it, was, it was half decent preaching. The second half of the series, what I want to do is I want to help you see what happens in your life when you begin to activate this belief by faith. When you begin to say, okay, God, I'm not just going to say the best is yet to come, woohoo!" but I'm actually going to believe it. Deep down in the fiber of my being, when, when stuff happens, when the day grows dark, when things get difficult, when I feel weak and puny and ostracized and, and, and forgotten and left out, when I begin to feel that way, God, I'm going to combat that with, no, 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 no. I know why I believe the best is yet to come. And it's not about me. And it's not about who I am or what I've done. It's about who you are. It's about what you've done, and I know why I believe this, and so I'm going to believe it even if I don't feel it. And what I want to do today, is, and starting today and the next couple of weeks, is I want to help you understand what happens when you begin to exercise this belief. The title of the message today is, He's Got What You Need. And I don't know exactly what it is that you need today, but I know whatever it is that you need, He's got it. And so as I was spending some time researching this week and starting to get just a little discouraged. I mean, at this point, we're all kind of discouraged. I believe that, you know, if God calls a sheep over and over and over and over again, we know they're dumb and, and defenseless and, uh, uh, and, and, and they're like turtles. They die if they roll over on their back. Then we're all kind of a little disappointed. At least I know I am. I mean, I started looking at some of the other animals like, well, couldn't I have been a goat? At least I got, you know, horns. I can headbutt people be a camel. At least I could like, you know, spit on people. But a sheep? I mean, after the holidays, I feel fluffy like a sheep, like I do right now, but see, there's one more thing that I learned about sheep this week as I was researching this. Did you know that sheep are incredibly valuable? And maybe this was lost on us today in our modern society and the way that we live, but back in Bible times, a man's wealth was oftentimes determined by the size of his flock, and namely the size of his flock of sheep. The wool of sheep was incredibly valuable. They used it for all kinds of things in ancient times. Their, their, their meat was incredibly helpful uh, to, to, for sustenance and to live on, um, and, and so, so sheep were incredibly valuable. 
Defenseless, yes. Dumb, yes. Like a turtle, yes. But also incredibly, incredibly valuable. And so when we turn to John chapter 10 and we see Jesus talking to a group of people in John chapter 10, verse 11, and he says, I am the good shepherd then what what they would have understood in their times is how incredibly important and valuable sheep are, but how how helpless they are, how much they need help, which is the why there there is a shepherd. And and for us, we we probably, you know, unless we have a resident shepherd expert in the house or maybe watching online, I don't mean to offend you if that's you, but but unless you happen to know all the things that a shepherd does, then then what Jesus describes when he says, I am the good shepherd, probably doesn't doesn't mean a whole lot to us. But when Jesus said this, the audience that he said it to would have understood exactly what he said. And notice what he says. He doesn't just say that I am I am a shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. And with this one word differentiating himself from all of the shepherds, he's saying, listen, all of the shepherds are, are fine. They, they, I'm sure they do a good job. Maybe there are some bad shepherds. I don't know. But I need you to understand that I am the good shepherd. I, I am the pinnacle shepherd. I am the shepherd whereby all other shepherds should take their example. What does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be the good shepherd? And what does it mean for us if we're his sheep, if you by faith have trusted in Christ for salvation, if you've moved from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive in Christ, if we are his sheep, then what does that mean for us? And what does any of that have to do with the idea that we're talking about, about a comeback? And our theme and our focus for the year is the comeback. Well, thankfully, in the Bible, there was a shepherd that was rather famous. He went on to become a, a mighty warrior. He went on to become a king, and his name was David. And if you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, we use them every time we get together on a Sunday morning, open them up to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We got your back. We'll have the verses on the screen. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous passages in all of the Bible. And it's a, it's a text where David, who had experience as being a shepherd, begins to describe the job description of a shepherd. This is a text that oftentimes people will refer to when they're looking for hope. It's a passage that I've heard many times preached at funerals. It's something to give us hope, something to look forward to. And I want to help you today to see that when you believe by faith that the best is yet to come, I want you to see what that means for you. I want you to see what happens in our lives when we begin to believe in Jesus like this. Psalm 23, and I want to help you see three things today that a shepherd does. The first thing that I want to help you see today is I want to help you see that the good shepherd provides The good shepherd provides. And Psalm 23, verse one says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When Jesus is our shepherd, when we allow him to be our shepherd, when we become his sheep, and we allow him to take the lead and we follow him, then what happens is is, is, is he he puts us in a place where we shall not want. And what this means is, it doesn't mean that, you know, well, I want a, 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 a Lamborghini, well, you might be wanting for a while for that. 
That's not what Jesus is promising here. That's not what God's word is promising here. But what happens is, is that when Jesus is your shepherd, he will reorient your wants. He will reorient your desires. He will, he will lead you through a process that, that theologians call sanctification, the process of becoming more like Jesus, where you begin to see a little bit less from a fleshly, selfish, self-centered point of view. And instead, you begin to see things from more of a faith-oriented, instead of an earthly-oriented point of view of what's here, right now, I want to I feels good, do it, I want it now, to begin to see from more of an eternal point of view. And we begin to think about things, we begin to want different things that don't just impact the here and now, but impact the there and then. And Jesus goes through a process of reorienting our wants. And, 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 and those wants in the moment, they, 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 feel, they feel good. They, 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 they're things that we like. They in some way satisfy or, 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 or gratify an appetite that we have in a moment. But here's the deal. When we begin to live and pursue the things that gratify and satisfy an appetite that's in our flesh, then it will satisfy for a moment, but it will ultimately leave us feeling hollow and empty, and miserable. That's what sin does. Sin will always overpromise and underdeliver. So what Jesus does is he begins to reorient our thinking. He does this by, by taking us through a journey to help us see that true life is ultimately found in him. It's not found in ourselves or our jobs or our career or our spouse or the house or the kids or the things or the bank account. It's ultimately found in him. And, and not only that, that, that he wants us to understand that there's a way that we can find freedom from our past and the chains that once divined us and, and the things that we carried forever. That Jesus wants us to understand that we can actually find freedom from our past and from the stuff of our life when we begin to connect with other people and, and walk with other people in the journey of life towards Jesus. Next, he wants, help, he wants people to understand that there's a reason that you're alive. There's a reason why you have breath in your lungs and a beat in your heart. And ultimately, he wants to help you see how you can live in such a way where, you, where the things you do bring fulfillment As a church, we've, we've built our entire church around this idea of the journey. We say that, that God wants to help you discover life in Christ, belonging in community, purpose in the way that he's wired you and what he's called you to do, and how to make a difference. If you're with us and if you're new with us and you're not engaged with our Next Steps course, man, we would love to walk you through that process to help you see wherever you are that God wants to, wants to help you take a step along the journey that will involve one of those four things. I'd encourage you, if you've not connected to our Next Steps course, man, check it out, join online, and, and our team will follow up with you and connect with you and walk with you through this process. But I want you to see what happens when you begin to follow Jesus, when you allow him to be your shepherd, then, then, then you will not want, and I want you to see how David provides some specific descriptions of what this means. He says this in verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You see in the Middle East, where uh, the biblical things happen, um, it's a very dry and largely a very dry and arid place. And so a good shepherd will know if he's carrying his, if he's leading his sheep, that he knows that they need food. He knows that they need nourishment. He knows that they need rest. And so he will lead them to places, even in the midst of the barren wasteland. And when things are dry and arid and, and parched, and it seems like there's not really much to be found, he will lead them to the places where he knows 
They can find food in a place where he knows that they can rest. Notice what he says next. He says, and he leads me beside the still water. Sheep are uh, incredibly terrified of fast-moving water. We don't exactly know the speed at which sheep go, no, thank you. But what we do know is that they don't like fast-flowing water. They're terrified of it. They're afraid of it. And so the good shepherd won't lead them to a place where they are afraid or where they're scared or they're terrified. He might lead them past that place. Come on, somebody needs to hear this today because somebody's in a place where you are afraid. There's something going on in your life that you are terrified by and you need to understand that the good shepherd will lead you past that place so that you can get to the place where there are still waters. The promise of God is not that you're not going to go through difficulty or hardship. The promise of God is he's not going to bring you to that place and go, well, here it is. Get comfortable. What he's going to do is he's going to lead you sometimes through that place because sometimes it's only through that place that you can get to the place where there are still waters and where your soul can find nourishment. I want you to notice what happens next. Verse three, it says, he restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So he's going to provide opportunities for rest, for nourishment. He's going to provide ways for our souls to be restored. But I want you to notice that the way that he provides this restoration for our soul, that place where our soul can and feel renewed and refreshed and ultimately restored is through paths of righteousness. Can I just tell you today that the reason why some of you have not found restoration for your soul is because at some point you have refused to follow the good shepherd as he is leading you to a path of righteousness. And at some point you allowed something that was a temptation to become sin for you and you, you, you jumped off of the path onto your own path. And you began to pursue something that, well, I don't like that Jesus is asking me to do this. I don't like that he's asking me for this commitment. I don't like that he wants me to follow through on this. I, I, or or it's, maybe it's not even that you don't like it. Maybe, maybe there's too many things that allow us to make excuses. Well, God, I'm too busy to spend time in your word. I'm too busy to serve. My kids have too many things going on for us to be involved in community. And, 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 and I don't know how to serve. And, I, and we allow these kinds of things that are fine. Some of them are fine and good things, but we allow allow them to be the excuses as to why we don't follow Jesus on the path of righteousness. And can I just tell you something? Restoration for your soul will never be found anywhere else except along the path of righteousness. Except along the path of making the decision that there are times where I'm going to have to say no to my flesh. I'm going to have to say no to temptation. I'm going to have to say no to sin. I'm going to have to stop rationalizing, well, it's okay if I do this. It's not that big a deal. It's just a little sin. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a huge problem. Um, and, 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 and ultimately, I know that Jesus is going to forgive me for it and all that stuff. Listen, I want you to understand. Yes, you are forgiven from sin, past, present, and future. But the promise of the gospel of Jesus is not so so that you can just get to heaven it's so that you can learn how to live not in hell now and so when jesus says when scripture says that jesus as the good shepherd he's going to he's going to restore our soul and and lead us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake he, th th this is what he's talking about and can i just tell you there's been so many things that have happened this year where we we've, uh, we've gotten depressed and we've gotten anxious and even though the most common command in scripture is fear not. There's been so many things that have happened in the last 12 months that we have responded in fear. 
I'm afraid of what this virus is going to do. I'm afraid of what the government is doing. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my freedoms. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my liberty. I'm afraid fill in the blank. Let me just take a moment to talk to some people who are saying, well, I ain't living in fear. I'm going to stand up, protect my freedoms. That's fine. You can do that. But are you doing it because you're motivated by fear? Heck no, I ain't afraid of nothing. Your social media says that you're really afraid. Social media says that you're afraid of what's going to happen if this person or that person would have won the election or because this person won the election or what that person's going to do even though they're out of office. Can I just tell you something? We have been inundated with fear. We have been assaulted with fear. And the reason why is because nothing motivates people like fear. Nothing raises money like fear. Nothing gets people to show up and do something like fear. No one gets people to show up and vote like fear. No one gets people to wave a banner like fear. Nothing motivates like fear. And all we have seen through all of our screens, through the news, through social media, even in conversations with family and friends, is fear, 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 fear. Listen to me as your pastor. I just want to tell you something. That is not where God is leading you when it comes to the path of righteousness. The Bible that you hold in your hand says that perfect love casts out fear. I'm not saying you can't have your opinions. I'm not saying that you can't have, you know, take a stand on something. That's fine. But just ask yourself, are you motivated by fear or are you motivated by faith? Because when we respond to fear, we need to understand that those responses aren't found down the path of righteousness. Those responses of fear happens when we refuse to follow our shepherd as he leads us down paths of righteousness. When you follow Jesus, just like a good shepherd, he will lead you to a place where you can be who you are and you can respond to him and that you can find Rest And can I tell you something? The promise of God is not that it's just going to be this forevermore and always love and rainbows and unicorns and happiness and sunshine. There's going to be some difficult things that you're going to have to go through. But the promise of God is that he will lead you through that to find rest for your soul. The good shepherd provides. Here's the second thing the good shepherd does. The good shepherd protects. Notice what it says in verse four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There it is. Man, for some of us, we feel like the last season that we have been in has been the deepest, darkest valley of death ever. There's been things that have happened that have caused you to feel like all the weight of the world is against you. What I want you to see is I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to act like there's not some real things that have happened because there are. I'm not trying to act like there's not some real dangerous things that have gone on or are happening in our world because there are. There will never be a time until Jesus comes back where there aren't dangerous things happening. 
But what I am trying to see is that, that we can choose to fear no evil. I want you to notice what he does to us that gives us a reason not to fear. He says, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they come for me, which can we just stop for a moment and just celebrate and acknowledge the fact that God says that I am with you. You're not alone. When you feel like nobody sees you, nobody loves you, nobody cares, you're not alone. He does. I want you to notice what, what the shepherd has and how he uses it to lead us down the path of righteousness where we can find rest for our soul. It says his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Um, you guys are, perhaps have seen a shepherd's hook. It's like a tall stick thing with a, with a hook on it. And, and it's used as a rod or it's used as a weapon when the shepherd has, sees predators that are coming towards his sheep. And so he will use that in some Jedi kind of thing. And I practiced that all week. And he will use that as a, as, as a rod, as a defense mechanism, as a weapon to fight off any enemies. But I want you to notice it says his rod and his staff. What it means by his staff is that when that stick is not being used as a rod, as a weapon of defense, it is used as a staff, something to guide and direct. The shepherd will come along his sheep and he will, when they're starting to walk along the wrong way, he will kind of tap them on the side. And if he sees a sheep that is going the wrong way and, and if he's not responding to the nudging, if he's not responding to the tapping, then he will turn that stick around to the hook and he will yank that sheep by the neck and yank them back in line. Does it hurt? Yes. Can I tell you that God's word says that because he loves you, he will correct you. Can I just tell you, I talked to so many Christians who will tell me about the, the, a, a, a circumstance of events and will we'll then, we'll then kind of, kind of um, uh, mourn and, and grieve the frustration that they have of why has God allowed this to happen to me? If God was good, then why has this happened? If God loves me, then why has this happened? Listen, can I tell you that something that does not get talked about enough in churches today is the understanding that it's because God loves you that he will correct you. That there will be times where he's going to come along and gently through the Holy Spirit, he's going to nudge you and he's going to help you see what the way of escape is. He's going to help you see, eh, you don't want to go that way. But there are also times, just like the shepherd, he will turn that stick around and he will yank that sheep by the neck and yank it back in line to prevent it from jumping off the cliff. It is a lie that if God loves you, he will never hurt you. That's a lie. It's because, it's because God loves you that he will at times, when he has a stubborn, wayward sheep, he will hurt you and you will feel it in the short term so that you won't have to feel the harm in the long term. Why would God do this to me? Because he loves you. Why would God allow me to lose my job or this thing to happen or this thing to happen or this thing to happen? I don't begin to understand or try to explain why God does all the things that he does. But what I do know is that he loves you and he wants to lead you down paths of righteousness. And when you skip the road on your own path, he's going to try to yank you back. Because he knows where the paths of unrighteousness leads to, and he doesn't want that for you. And so, yes, God will correct you, and it will hurt sometimes in the short term. 
but it's so that you can be prevented from being harmed in a way that is more lasting. I want you to notice the power of the good shepherd. He says, verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is such incredible imagery. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about what your enemies are. What are your enemies right now? Is it fear? Is your enemy anxiety? Is your, is your enemy debt? Maybe your enemy is an ex-spouse. Maybe your enemy is, is a child or a parent. Maybe your enemy is a boss. Maybe your enemy is an addiction. Maybe your enemy... is you and the self-sabotaging things that you have a tendency to do for yourself. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that God is so good. Our shepherd is so strong and so capable and so powerful that what he does is he knows what we need. He, remember, he says that he leads us by still waters. He leads, he, he, he leads us into uh, green pastures where we can rest. And so he knows that at times we need to be able to rest. We need to take a load off. Here's what he says. He says he prepares a banquet table a feast for you to pull up a chair and belly up to the table and, and get what you need. And while you are eating, your enemies are still there, but he, he, he prepares the table in front of your enemies. He says, listen, not right now. You, you don't get to have access right now. Now, though there may be times where your enemies might, might get the best of you in a moment, God says that Jesus, as the, as the shepherd, as the good shepherd, will prepare a banquet table before in the presence of your enemies so that you can come and rest and dine in peace even though you are surrounded by chaos. You see, this is what happens when you follow Jesus as your good shepherd. You're not going to be able to stay in this moment of peace forever, but he will, he will make moments of peace in the midst of the chaos so that your soul can be comforted. Notice what he says. He says that he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. This is an expression of hospitality. So not only is Jesus the good shepherd, is he holding your enemies at bay so that you can have a respite, a moment of peace along the journey of life. But then his response will be to bless you in such a way. This anointing of a head with oil is, is a reference to blessing. The same with cups runs over. But listen, can I just tell you, we have to stop cheapening the blessings of God by assigning a monetary value to it. The greatest blessings of God is not something that's going to show up in your bank account or something that you can point to and possess and brag about. The greatest blessings of God are the things that he allows where you can have peace in the midst of chaos, where you can have a good night's rest when you are overwhelmed, where relationships can be miraculously restored and reconciled and brought back to wholeness, where you can uh, uh, be able to look past and above all the things that are happening and be able to see beyond it and not be, not be completely altered by the momentary situations that happen in life, but to be able to kind of rise above it because God is with you. He wants to bless you. He wants, he wants to fill your cup overflowing with blessings. Man, the American church has got to stop talking about the blessings of God as exclusively connected to a dollar amount because those are the cheapest blessings that God provides. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. And our cup runs over. The good shepherd provides, the good shepherd protects. And the last thing I want you to see is that the good shepherd pursues. 
says this verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, I, when, so oftentimes when we read that verse, we go, oh, that's nice. That's nice. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'll rest in the house of the Lord forever. I, I want to help you. We need help. Sean, can you help me preach this message real quick? Can you come up here? Jeremiah, can you come up here real quick? They don't know what they're doing. I, I like to do this from time to time. Sometimes I tell people ahead of time. Sometimes I don't. It makes it, makes it more fun for me. <clears throat> this is Sean. This is Jeremiah. Can you get up for him? They don't have any idea what's getting ready to happen. For a moment, I don't want, to, I don't want you to see Sean. I want you to see goodness. See, Romans chapter two, verse four tells us that it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. It's not his righteousness. It's not his power. It's not his truth. It's his goodness. You see, it's the goodness of God that causes us in a moment to go, oh my goodness, I'm going the wrong direction. Oh my goodness, I can't believe that I've done this. Oh my gosh, how can God even love me? It's goodness that brings us back to him. And so this is goodness. And then I want to introduce mercy to you. Mercy, it's because of God's mercy that he makes it possible for us to be able to come back into a relationship with him. It's because of God's mercy that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. It's because of his mercy that he doesn't look at us when we're in our sin and condemn us and, and, and point the finger of shame and condemnation. Jesus said in John 3, verse 17, for the son of man has not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. It's because of his mercy. And I want you to see this, all right? I don't care what I do. I want you to follow me, all right? I want you to stay right on my heels. Because what happens is, is, is I start making some bad decisions and I start thinking about cheating on my wife and it, I've got goodness following me. And mercy, come on, mercy, come on. You stay right. I want you both to follow me, right? Or, or I'm going down this way and I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling, God, where are you? Where are you? And I've got goodness on one side and I've got mercy on the other. God, I don't know what's going on with my kids and I, I just want to give up and, and I don't know what to do with them. And God reminds me, here's his goodness and here's his mercy. And he's saying, listen, I love them more than you ever can. God, don't you know what's going on with my, my financial situation? I, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't, I don't know what to do. I just want to go into the dark corner and hide. And when I get into the dark corner and hide, you can't see it. Sometimes I can't see it, but goodness and mercy are right here with me. And goodness and mercy make it possible for me to be able to come back into the light because it's his goodness that draws me back to repentance. It's mercy that makes it possible for me to be in close relationship with him. You see, it's not possible for me to go anywhere without God's goodness and without God's mercy chasing me, pursuing me, coming after me. I don't care how far you go. I don't care how deep the hole is. I don't care how dark the valley of the shadow of death is. My goodness and my mercy are right here. You can't go without me. I'm pursuing you. You don't feel like nobody knows you. You don't feel like anybody cares, but I care and I know and I'm seeing you and my goodness and my mercy are on the way. You can't escape the shadow of my goodness and my mercy. Come on. Thank you guys. Thank you. You see, here's, here's what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd pursues us. Can I just tell you, everybody wants to be pursued. You know what everybody's favorite word in, the, in their native tongue is? It's their name. because it means that they're known. If you're married, you don't have to be married for very long to know that sometimes the, the thrill of the chase of dating begins to fade away 
And you begin to remember how good it used to feel when they pursued you, when they did the little things to remind you that you were still the apple of their eye, that they cherished you above everybody else. God sent me here to tell somebody today that you're not, you're not alone. You are seen and you are known and you are loved by the God of heaven. Sometimes moment by moment, you can't feel it. You can't see it. You don't know that it's happening. You don't even know that it's there, but his goodness and his mercy are following you. because he loves you too much to let you go astray. See, I'm trying to help you see what happens when we begin to walk out this truth. It's our theme verse for the year, Hebrews 12, two. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What does that mean for us when we begin to look to Jesus, it means that we begin to see that he is the good shepherd. I just want to allow the word of God to minister you to you a moment because he's, he's so much more than a cosmic killjoy in the sky. He's so much more than an ancient, distant, impersonal God that is emotionless and faceless and constantly bringing down condemnation upon every single wrong thing that you do. That's not who he is. I just, want, I just want you to let the word of God minister you today. Jesus says in John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. Can I tell you, we've all experienced some hirelings in our life, people who proclaim to be something. Can I just tell you, some of you have experienced it by the person sitting in my seat. I'm not going to provide an excuse for what they did or didn't do, what they said or didn't say. Instead, I'm just going to ask, would you look to Jesus? Don't allow another person to muddy the view of who your Savior is. The hireling sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling. That's who he is. He doesn't care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep. And I am known by my own. And as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. That's who Jesus is. So let me ask you, what do you need today? Do you need provision? Something for God to provide in your life in this season? Then look to Jesus. What is it that you need today? Is it protection? Are you struggling with an area of sin? Are you struggling with 
an addiction? Are you struggling with anxiety? Are you struggling with something that somebody is currently saying or doing to you? What do you need today? Do you need protection? Look to Jesus. What do you need today? Do you need to be pursued? Do you need to be reminded that somebody sees and knows and loves and cares to meet you right where you are? Then look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, whatever it is that you need today, we need to look to Jesus. Why? Well, the reality of it is, is I don't, no person can know what the weight of the burden, the pain, the shame, the guilt, the frustration, the anxiety, the, nobody can know the full measure of what it is that you're facing today. But Jesus is the good shepherd. And he's got what you need.